The following sermon is from Grace Church East County. More information about Grace Church is available at gracechurcheast.org. And thank you all for joining us in our Good Friday service. I told Rick it's one of my favorite services of the year. Hear God's word read to you. Reflect on the Savior's work. We sing rich songs. And I'm going to briefly meditate with you on really mainly one verse we heard read to us. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 14, or you can listen along if you like. Mark chapter 14. I'd like to take us back to where we began in the readings. Jesus and his disciples go to a place called Gethsemane, probably an olive orchard of some kind. And in verse 33, we are told that he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. Sorry, verse 33. He began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And then in verse 34, he says, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. And then he goes a little farther along, and we get to eavesdrop on this mysterious interaction between God the Father and God the Son in verse 36. Would you notice verse 36? And he, Jesus, said, Abba, it's Aramaic for Father, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Take this cup away from me, please. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. I'd like to reflect on that cup with you briefly by asking two questions. First, what did this cup mean for Jesus? What does this cup mean for Jesus? He is greatly distressed and troubled. He is very sorrowful. Why? It can't just be the physical suffering to come. Well, that would be horrific to be sure. But three times in this book, he has coolly and calmly predicted his physical sufferings. That was no surprise to Jesus. It's not the physical suffering alone that is distressing him like this. Why, why such sorrow focused on this cup? Well, some of the prophets explain this metaphor for us. Isaiah the prophet wrote, quote, of the cup of God's wrath. Jeremiah the prophet spoke, quote, of this cup, this cup of the wine of wrath. This is the cup of divine wrath. That's the meaning of the metaphor. Divine wrath fills this cup. Now, some have said that a god of wrath is merely an idea from pagan religions. They say that's an idea from Zeus more than the god of the Bible. But wrath in God actually reflects how high and exalted the true God really is. Wrath is the good and needful response of God's holiness and God's righteousness and God's justice to all that is evil and unjust. For God to be God, for God to be true to his own perfect character, he must respond to sin and evil with 
wrath. So with this cup, God the Father would think of our sin as belonging to his perfect son. And with that in mind, Jesus, in effect, pleads in agony. If we could fill in the blanks a little bit, Jesus is, in effect, pleading, Father, there has always been perfect harmony between us. Never a time when there wasn't infinite love and perfect delight between us from all eternity past. But now, Father, I will be wretched in your sight. Now I look to you and all I see is this cup foaming with your justice toward me. And yet in words that mean everything for us, he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. And so he hung on that cross, as we heard read, drinking that cup until there was darkness over the land, darkness indicating judgment, darkness for three hours, eternal punishment poured out upon him there, eternal judgment condensed into a three-hour span as the judge of all was judged in our place. As the holy one, the perfect one, the sinless one, bore the wrath we have earned and deserved for our sins. This is what that cup meant for Jesus. What does this cup mean for us? What does this cup mean for you and me? Many things we could say, but certainly it means, for those who believe, God's favor. God's favor being purchased. I say God's favor because of a word the Bible uses to explain what was happening on the cross. The word is Propitiation. It's not an everyday word in our vernacular. Propitiation means turning aside wrath to bestow favor. That's the idea. Turning aside wrath to bestow favor. In drinking this cup, God's wrath against us would be turned aside, taken by Christ, that God might be propitious or favorably disposed to you who believe. If you've ever read the novels or seen the movie series, The Hunger Games, you have seen this idea of propitiation. In, in the novel series, it's, it's rather dark and dystopian as punishment for a past rebellion against the capital. Every year, one boy and one girl are selected from the various districts to compete in the Hunger Games. These participants are called tributes, and they are forced to fight to the death. The purpose is to punish, to punish the districts for that failed past rebellion. But the winning tribute, the, the survivor, and their home district, they get rewarded. They get favor. They are lavished with food and supplies and riches. And so, in effect, these young people are sacrificed to appease the anger of the leaders for this past rebellion so that the survivor, those who live, get favor, food, and riches. That, that's propitiation in a sense. But here... God the Son provides the sacrifice. God the Son 
appeases rightful anger against us. And, and here's the twist. We, the rebels, get the favor. We who should have died get the blessing, the favor, the riches of God's grace and mercy. We who should die are lavish with favor because Christ drank that cup in our place. Listen, because the cup is empty, emptied on the cross, the Christian is never on probation with God. Because the cup is empty, God will never say to the believer in Jesus, get your act together or I'm done with you. You'll never hear that. Because the cup is empty, there is therefore now no condemnation against you. Not because condemnation isn't deserved, but because condemnation has already been received. This is the glory of the cross. You get to live in the sunshine of God's favor all day, every day, purchased by another. This cup means God's favor for us, and it also means, it also means God's love. God's love toward you right now. As we heard read to us, there are many responsible parties leading up to Christ's crucifixion. But the ultimate responsible party is the Father. As Octavius Winslow once wrote, quote, Who delivered Jesus up to die? Who, he asked, who delivered Jesus up to die? Not Judas for money. Not Pilate for fear. Not the Jews for envy, but the Father for love. Ultimately, it's the Father delivering up his Son out of love for you. If I asked you to rate God's love toward you in Christ on a scale of one to ten, with one being he loves you little, sometimes only if you've been on your best behavior, and ten, ten being he loves you perfectly and always. What would you say? How would you rate your sense of God's love toward you in Christ? Most of us, some of us are saying 10, and that's good. Most of us, if you're like me, you'd say, I feel like it should be a 5. Theoretically, theologically, it's a 10, but I feel like it should be a 5, a 6. If I've had a good week, a 7. Some of you are thinking 2, or 3, or 1. But the truth is what was said to us. Because Christ is drinking this cup, we know God's love toward us is off the charts. It's, it's unfathomable. It can't be measured. You can't reach the depths of it. It's 10 to the 10th power and way beyond that. But don't take my word for it. 1 John chapter 4 says, In this is love. Not that we have loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Did you catch that? Good Friday is not about our love for God. It's about his love for you. God loved us and sent his son to be the wrath-bearing 
sin-forgiving, guilt-cleansing sacrifice for our sins. So this evening, behold God's favor and behold God's love. For Christ drank that cup to the bottom on the cross for you. In response, we are going to take the bread and the cup of the Lord's Supper. If you're here this evening and you've not yet trusted Jesus Christ, we are so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. We would urge you to take Christ right now, to trust in his life, death, and resurrection, to bring you to God, and he will. You just, you just receive with the open hands of faith, like you're receiving a gift. You simply turn to him, trust in him, rely on him alone to bring you to God. So I would urge you to acknowledge your sin. You've yet to do so. To thank him, believing that Christ died for your sins. And to ask him to rescue you, to save you through his finished work. For the rest of us, those who have believed, this is an opportunity to behold God's favor and God's love for you. In a moment, you'll come down the side aisles. You'll receive a piece of bread. You have a choice of cups of wine or juice. Please take the elements back to your seat, and we'll take communion together as a community. But first, let's pray and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. And simply open your heart to his favor and love. Where you've been thinking his love is a five or six or two or three, acknowledge right now it's beyond measure for you in sending his son. Perhaps when you've felt like you've been on probation, or that God is tired of you. Behold his favor right now. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we stand in awe that God the Son would embrace the cup of judgment that we have earned, that we might know your favor and love. Help us to behold your glory even now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church East County. Please find us online at gracechurcheast.org if you would like to find out more about us.